Hello and welcome to the long-awaited Neuroembryology Podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, Ari. Hello, Sam. How are you? you? I'm all right. I'm a bit sore. Mrs. is making me deck the garden. Oh. <laughs> but it's been <laughs> well, sunny. It has been sunny. Well, to be honest, it's Jackie who really wants me to deck the garden. So you can play in the garden. Yeah, I should have done it by now. But what? It rained last year, didn't it? Yeah, all summer. That's what Swansea does. Oh, well, so you've done that. So Well, it's not true, actually. If you think about coming to Swansea, it's a lovely place. We have lovely <laughs> sun, lovely beaches and that sort The sun is shining right now. Blue skies, blue skies. I should dig out the stats, actually, but it's a pretty rainy, rainy city. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. What so have you been up to lately? Um, I went to the Swansea Gambia Link Talent Show on Friday night. Did you really? Wow, that was awesome. Yeah. A good night. Really good night. It was... Um, Raising money for the Swansea Gambia Link. Mm-hmm. If you go to swanih.org, that's the website for the Swansea International Health thing. Right. And there's a link to our Swansea Gambia Link. Gambia is a small country in West Africa, and we're linking between their Royal Victoria Teaching Hospital and their School of Medicine at the university with our trust, which has just got larger. Yeah, and you've actually been out there, haven't you? And yeah, went out there last year to, to see what was going on there, to do a bit of teaching. So the students were raising money for that to kind of raise money so some of the Gambian students come over here and some of our students can go over there, which is a great experience for both them and us. And is there talent? <laughs> there is. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was our students, a lot of first-year involvement um, and some third years, plus it seemed to be friends and housemates and other university students and people's children and stuff, and it was really good. Lots of little kids doing some great things. Excellent. But um, there were some great, great acts, which were very nice. I think um, some of them are starting to appear on YouTube. Brilliant. Um, Mikey and um, Helena. Helena. Oh, Excellent. They were superb. Absolutely superb. Brilliant. And Tom and Megan. Oh, I love Tom <laughs> and Megan. That was brilliant. Right. Lovely will, to watch. I will make sure I get that. Well, I think they're going to author, author a DVD because they were filming it that night. So there might be a DVD available oh, to the wider world. For the... Yeah. To raise money for the link. Crack but an idea. Got to mention A101 as well. Great band. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, <laughs> Phil will have a go at me. Um, and there were many, many others as well. But we it was a very, very all. good night. It was the first year. I think there'll probably be more next year. Brilliant. Yeah. That was good. Did you go to the Summer Ball? I did go to the Summer Ball. It was also excellent. Were they all singing and dancing there? Yeah, everybody got on the dance floor, including John White. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, Dan did really <laughs> well to organise everything with his uh, gaggle of girls helping him out. Um, no, all in all, we did, um, I'd never done, was it 21 pontoon or whatever you call it. Oh, it was a casino night. Yeah, there was a casino and I'd never done that before and I was absolutely rubbish. I lost all my money, (laughs) um, but I did really, really well. Um, and no, all in all, it was absolutely fantastic. I had a great time. My brother just came back from Vegas the other week and he won 400 quid on the last night. It was a stag do, week long stag do. And he won so much money on the last night, he paid for the whole week. No. It's not bad, is it? Nice one. There's a conference there next year, Orthopaedic Research Society, I think. Anything can happen in Vegas. <laughs> anyway. Wonder how much the money the school will give me to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably not much. No, I doubt it. Um, oh, the other thing we would mention is that obviously I'm leaving. Yeah, so this, this is probably going to be the last embryology podcast before you leave. Yeah. And this is the last podcast of the lecture series, but we yes. plan to do, we plan to cover some more areas and also some anatomy stuff. Which mm. we might talk about it later. Mm. But yeah, this is essentially the last embryology podcast for you. Can you hear on. that? Can you hear that? Sobbing. <laughs> 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 it's 
Yeah. Well, we'll hear from you again next week before you move. How you f- are you finding your house and stuff? And um. Yeah. yeah, there is a few problems with that. There's not many properties in the area that we're moving to to rent, but um, plenty of barns. So we'll be fine. Barns. Barns or uh, holiday homes, holiday caravans or something. Uh, okay. No, I don't know what's going to happen, but it'll come good in the end. Holiday. Uh, the um, housing market is horrible at the moment. You're staying in Swansea, you see. Mm. All right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. But wait, like I said, we're going to stay in touch using Skype and that sort of thing. We'll it's, talk to you having some kit. We'll just. It's certainly not the last you'll hear from me. And I think you're going to remain an honorary lecturer at Swansea University, aren't you? Fingers crossed. They've so been recommended. There'll be an official link with the School of Medicine, so that'd be nice. Which means we can chat and, and it's all above board and it's okay. Which means you work for free, basically. Yes, they've managed <laughs> to do that quite well, really, haven't they? But hopefully our audience will respect that. If you if you want yeah, Reed to stop, it. if you want Reed to stop podcasting, just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm sure that's not the case at all. Okay, let's get down to business. Well, no, we're trying to avoid getting onto this, aren't we? We're yeah. trying to avoid the neuroembryology podcast for the last six months or so. We're now yeah. finally here. Anything else we can talk about? Is put it off for another <laughs> couple of minutes. No, and no, to be honest, okay. um, if you are having problems with this area of embryology, uh, totally understand why. Yeah. I mean, as anatomists, we get neuroanatomy, but neuroscience, I might have done it during my first degree, but not much of it's stuck. No. And it's relearning. And it, it's very much a current science, isn't there? So there's lots it, of new stuff. And it is absolutely fascinating. You it is. It is. Keep that interest level. So I think the way we're going to... We're going to direct this is again it's neuroembryology for medical students so we don't need to do everything in great detail we don't need to do all the different parts of the brain all the neurosciencey parts do mm-hmm. we? we're going to do the big parts and also neuroembryology we're going to focus on the central nervous system aren't we yes and we'll probably spend more time talking about the brain than the other parts yeah and we'll do sense. a bit of the spinal cord and that sort of thing yeah so think of this as kind of a foundation to, to build from so we should talk about new relation development of the brain about the ventricles yep. and cerebrospinal fluid circulation yeah. and about the spinal cord and the spinal nerves that should be our structure um but it should be aimed at structures we know something about <laughs> <laughs> and we'll if we try and link the different parts into the adult structures and say a bit about what they do and how Hopefully they form that. that'll yeah if that'll we try help. and make some links between embryology neuroembryology and adult neuroanatomy that'll help us and i think that'll help our audience Perfect. Yeah. Okay, then. So we start with new relation. So new relation, we go right back to gastrulation, don't we? Yes, yeah, so um, I think all the way back to some of the earlier podcasts. Yes, yeah, so we've got the uh, the germ layers are forming. We've got the bilamina sheet going for the trilamina sheet, and those three layers, ectoderm, mesoderm, and endoderm, are going to form the embryo proper. Correct. So new relation occurs about the same time. I think when we when we spoke about gastrulation, we said we're going to stop at the start of neurulation, aren't we? Yeah, I think we did, actually. Yeah, so neurulation is cells dropping down from the ectoderm through the primitive streak into that layer, kind of that mesoderm layer almost, between the ectoderm and the endoderm layers. Yeah. And those cells are already specialised. They're prenotochordal cells. They're already specialised. They're dropping down through the primitive streak and they start migrating down the midline towards the future head end, towards the cephalic end. And then they differentiate a little bit more and they become very specialized. They become separate from the mesoderm and they form this cord down the midline. And that then is the notochord. Okay. And the notochord is a signaling center. Yes. So it's not, I mean, it, it does end up in some adult structures, but it's not part of the future nervous system as such. No. It's the signaling center, which is going to signal the cells 
on top of it or on the dorsal part of the embryo to become the nervous system. Yeah. So that's the first part. Um, and so the cells on top of the notochord are the ectoderm cells. Okay. So it's the ectoderm that's going to become the, the nervous system. Brilliant. Which is a bit weird if you think about it. Because ectoderm is like the around the edge. You think of that as like the skin and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but Ect- the ectoderm... Yeah, ectoderm's outside stuff, isn't it? Yeah, Whereas yeah. the nervous system is clearly inside stuff. So yeah. why is it not mesoderm and endoderm? Mm-hmm. Tell us. Well, I mean, I've been reading... Um, let me dig this book out. Um, some uh, A very short introduction to the brain by Michael O'Shea, which is part of the very short introduction series by Oxford University Press. Uh-huh. And there's some good stuff in there about evolution. So if you think about it, um, individual cells like paramecium can sense their surroundings. They can sense where food is and they go towards food. And if they bang up against a, an obstacle, they can sense where that is and they back off, change yeah, direction. And like light and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. So different cells can sense different things. Yeah. If you think back in the mists of time when we were evolving, so say different cells came together and could survive better by working together, you'd want the sensory cells on the outside, wouldn't you? Makes sense, So they'd sense stuff that was outside Mm -hmm. the group of cells and would signal back. Um, And that seems to have continued. So as it became more and more complex and uh, everything evolved and became very large multicellular organisms, you still need your sensory stuff on the outside because yeah. that's where everything outside of you is. You need to sense it and then send back to the other cells to do whatever it needs to do, either go towards the food or avoid that predator or whatever. Okay. Um, and if we continue and take it on and on and on and on, um, many, many million years to us, um, those cells are still external. They're still ectoderm cells. They've just become internalized um, yeah, by okay. this process of neuroembryology. So that germ layer, the ectoderm cells, the outside cells are forming the nervous system, probably for those reasons. Okay. Sounds as good an idea as any yeah. I've heard. And then they're, they're highly protected, aren't they, if they're sort of in the centre of the yep. organism as well? Yeah, it's just become, the, the nervous system has become so evolved in higher animals that it needs to be protected. Superb. Thank you for that little evolutionary aspect. Also, I mean... The brain is very close to our senses It's still, isn't it? Eyes, mm, mm. nose, mouth, taste, smell, um, sight and that sort of thing. So, I mean, if I was designing the brain, I'd put it somewhere else, somewhere safer. <laughs> but. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to make suggestions, but we'll just leave that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's still connected to those senses looking at our external environment. Okay, brilliant. So, so that's why the neural tube is formed from ectoderm. Maybe. 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 Okay. So there we go. Notochord. And ectoderm. So what happens to the ectoderm then, Re, to form the nervous system? Um, it folds down and makes a tube. Ta-da! <laughs> Isn't it? Well, that's it. Exactly that, yeah. So the ectoderm overlying the notochord um, differentiates a little bit and becomes the neural plate. So um, that's the, the specialised region that's going to become the tube. Yeah, which is down the midline. Yeah. And those cells then start to, the edge of those cells start to roll over to form the tube. So if you've got like a flat bit of paper, the edges of those bits of paper are going to fold up and around to form a tube. Yep. And you can imagine that those sides are going to come up and they, they, they start to look like a wave and dude. they crest over. Dude. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Um. So the neural plate folds over to form the neural tube 
and it's those edges and if you look at this if you look at some of the the tissues as they do this it forms it's a, it's a smooth curvy edge it looks like the crest of a wave yeah. and that's where we find the neural crest cells yes. that we've spoken about before and we will talk about later so we looked at when we looked at gut embryology we saw how a tube forms on the other side of the embryo yeah and this is occurring on the dorsal side yeah then we have another tube yeah. we have the neural tube and it's the neural tube then that's going to form the central nervous system. And the neural tube is a tube, so it does have a lumen running down the yeah. centre of it. And I think it starts to it starts to fold over and form a tube in the middly bit first, doesn't it? Yes. So it's open at the cranial end and open at the caudal end. Yep. And this takes a little bit of time to close. Yeah. So I think the cranial end closes first yep. in about 25 days, I think. Yeah. And then the caudal end closes a couple of days later. Literally two days later. And then we have this tube. The, the, the two holes are called neuropores as well. Neuropores. Just information. Yeah, exactly. So they close up. So now we have a tube. So what happens to the tube? Um, well, we've got to split it into parts, basically, because some of it's going to be the spinal cord and then some of it is going to develop into the brain. Right. Um, so this is where we end up having... I mean, when the... Hang on, hang on. I'm going to jump in with some mad facts here. Okay. So we've got this tube, and it's going to form the adult human brain. Yeah. Which has about a hundred billion neurons in it. A so we have a billion. Wow. So at this stage, you know, twenty-five days in, Probably there aren't got that many that cells. Many. <laughs> it's a pretty tiny structure. Yeah. And it's going to form a hundred billion neurons ish. This My is belly. a guesstimate. Okay. From multiple sources <laughs> but the number of supporting cells mm. is about a trillion a trillion cells supporting those hundred billion oh boggling you can't even imagine a number that packed 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 pack, pack, and pack what's in. worse is those neurons are going to in interconnect in such a complex manner that there will be more than a hundred trillion interconnections a hundred trillion synapses my goodness so we've started off with this really simple tube and we're going to go to that yeah. And there's no hope we can talk about that in 25 minutes. No, but it is absolutely <laughs> staggering, isn't it, when you really think about it those is. numbers. Okay, so a newborn baby's brain weighs about 350 to 400 grams. Okay. An adult brain weighs about 1.3 to 1.4 kilograms. Mm. So there's a fair bit of development that occurs after birth. Mine definitely weighs 1.4 kilograms. You've got 1.4 kilo worth. Yeah. Okay, how big do you think an elephant's brain is? Oh, good question. I like these. Elephant brain. So an adult human brain, 1.4 kilos. And think how big an elephant is. How I don't big? know. I don't know. Do you want to take a random guess? No, or? I'll embarrass myself. 4.8 kilos. Oh, I nearly said five. Ah, I see. You should have gone for it. Okay. Goodness me. Got a few others here. Elephants remember. What else have we talked about before? We've talked about rhinoceroses, haven't we? I've got rhinoceros here. Yes, we were talking about slightly different ends when we were talking about elephants before. What other animals have we got? Um, okay, the national animal of Wales, <laughs> the sheep. <laughs> How big is a sheep's brain? Um, like, really small. 140 grams. So, 140 grams, so less than a child. Much less than yeah. a Half. newborn baby's yeah. brain. What about a cat's brain? Cats uh, are pretty small. Yeah, they're small, but probably bigger than the sheep, no? Go on. 200? 30 grams. Oh. <laughs> 30 grams, see, so... So, uh, yeah. Not and it's similar to a dog. Dog is like 70 grams. Oh, is it? Okay. So, you know, you, you, see, you think of the dog as a pretty intelligent animal, yeah. don't you? But they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb dog. <laughs> they are. It's just, it's, it's really basic things going on inside a dog's brain. Yeah. So a dog, 70 grams versus the adult human of 
1,400 grams. Okay. What about a sperm whale? That's a big whale. How big a brain does a sperm okay, whale well, if have? An That's an a huge animal. If an elephant had five kilograms, well, 4.8, whatever. 4.8 kilos. Um, and we've got a brain of 1.4 kilos. How big whale. a brain does a sperm whale It's got to be 10 have? or something. Like 7.8 kilos. Yeah, so you're not far off. Yeah. 7.8 kilos. Good. Given the size of that animal, which is difficult to imagine in itself, that's yeah. not a very big brain. Uh, and probably one of the more interesting ones, a dolphin. What about a bottlenose dolphin? I reckon they've got big brains. How um, big do you think the brain of a bottlenose dolphin is? Generally, what are they regarded as? Like the second most intelligent thing Next to mice. Us? Next to mice. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Bottlenose dolphin's brain. Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, they're a bit bigger than us. They are a bit bigger than us, and but they're a bit smaller than elephants. Quite a bit smaller three, than an elephant. Three dolphin. kilograms. One point six kilos. Oh, one point. So the same as us? No, a little bit bigger. A little, little bit bigger brains than us. Hmm. Interesting. Something to mull over there. Yeah. Because they're not like that big. Excellent. Oh, I like those. They were good. Any more? Yeah, I've got a huge list here, but I don't think we should go through all oh, of them. Oh, maybe we'll talk about some of those later. Uh, but I want to get onto the onto the why we're why we're interested in this and why it's all so fascinating. Well, obviously it's fascinating, but how it all comes about in so relation to humans. Let's stick to humans, or else it's going to get so confusing. Back to human. My point was that we're going from this really simple tube to a really complex structure. Yeah. So what happens first? Okay. Well, the um. The top part, so the head, the, the part that's going to make the brain, um, that area of neural curve, tube divides into three different parts. Right. And, it, and it's growing all the time and um, it, it does end up curving as well. So it has to um, become more convoluted because just think there's not enough space for it to grow, but it keeps, you know, it's, um, well, all the neurons, they're sort of starting to form and divide um, and they, there has to be some sort of um, give. So it ends up folding. But we have these three main parts. One's the forebrain, one's the midbrain, and one's the hindbrain. So those are terms we see in the adult as well, aren't we? Forebrain, midbrain, hindbrain. Exactly. The embryological names are prosencephalon for the forebrain, mesencephalon for the midbrain, and rhombencephalon for the hindbrain. Right. So pro, mes, romb. Rhomben. Yeah. Romben, sorry. Prosen, mesen, romben. Yeah, okay. I see. Yeah, so they're the three that we're going to have to look at. And what actually happens to these three... They divide again to become five different parts um, further on in development. So how can we, in the embryo, how can we see the difference between the prosencephalon, mesencephalon, rhombencephalon? How can we say where, see where each one is? And they're bulges, I think. Yeah, set of right. different bulges along the way. So the, so the tube at the head end is starting to swell and we've got three bulges of yes. forebrain, midbrain, hindbrain. Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. So um, the prosencephalon ends up dividing into the telling telencephalon yeah yeah so we get split and we get an extra we get a bulge which is the telencephalon yeah we get a bulge that's the telencephalon and the diencephalon uh diencephalon that's a word that keeps coming up in neuroanatomy yes. classes and that will well come up again and again i imagine and we'll go through the ins and outs of that in a bit and then the mesencephalon stays actually as the mesencephalon the midbrain that one doesn't have any separate divisions right okay then we have the rhombencephalon, which is the hindbrain, and that divides into the metencephalon and the myelencephalon. Okay. Okay, so it sounds confusing, but draw it out, and it's not too bad. So, so three become off, five. Right, yeah. So we start off with a tube. It swells to give us vesicles, so, so spaces surrounded mm -hmm. by cells in the wall, which are 
differentiating and proliferating yep. to form neuroblasts, which are going to form the neurons, and glioblasts, which are going to form the connected tissue cells and nice so on. Nice histology, yeah. And we've still this space in the middle. So it's that it's that vesicle shape which then forms the hindbrain, midbrain, forebrain. Yeah. Rosenkethlon, mesenkethlon, rhombenkethlon. Yeah. And then with further development, we get more folding and more shape changes. So we have more cha- chambers. So we have the myelinkephalon and metenkephalon in the hindbrain. We have the mesenkephalon, which is the midbrain, linking the hindbrain and the forebrain. Yep. And the forebrain, then we have the diencephalon, which is that first bit in the middle of the brain. Yeah. And then the telencephalon, which is the really big. Which is the massive um, sort of lateral outgrowings, and they take over an awful lot of space and end up being the cerebral hemispheres. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's talk about, let's mention which each of these is going to become then. So the telencephalon is going to become the cerebral hemispheres. Yeah. We know what the cerebral hemispheres do, don't we? That's all higher function, isn't it? Yeah, executive center. So that's us so thinking and command doing stuff decisions, and any judgments, all that kind of thing. And somatic movement and loads of sensory all, stuff. All that stuff that we link with the brain. Yeah. That's the telencephalon. So the forebrain, the prosencephalon becomes the telencephalon and the diencephalon. Mm. Now the diencephalon in neuroanatomy classes, we talk about the thalamus and the hypothalamus, that spot there. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of pretty much the bit between the midbrain and the cerebral hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. So what does the what does thalamus and hypothalamus do? Now, th- hypothalamus, I know, hypothalamus pituitary ovaries, the HPO axis. So the hypothalamus is involved in the HP gonadal axis. What else does it do? Homeostasis. And so it's all homeostasis mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And the thalamus? The thalamus um, is, well, it's got sensory and motor functions, but sensory is like quite significant because almost all sensory um, information goes through it at some point. The only thing it doesn't is smell, interestingly. Okay, so most of the sensory information from wherever Where, in the body yeah, literally wherever. is passing up through the thalamus to the higher centres, to the yeah. cerebral hemisphere. Okay, so that's the diencephalon, mm-hmm. thalamus and hypothalamus. Mm. Cool. So what about the midbrain, the mesencephalon? Okay. What, what function is that going to develop? The midbrain is actually relatively small, okay, for the area that we're looking at. Um, it develops into a few different areas, but I don't think we really need to go into them. But it's essentially involved in vision, hearing, and some eye movement, that kind of thing. Okay, so it's transferring that information across it. Yeah, and it is, I mean, with, with the midbrain and the hindbrain as well, you've got to remember that there's an awful lot of um, information passing from the spinal cord to the um, cerebral hemispheres. So it's basically right. a road. Yeah. R- both, you know, two-way traffic. Okay. And then we're down into the hindbrain beneath that. So we said the hindbrain, which is the rhombenkephalon, is going to become the myelinkephalon and yep. the metenkephalon. Yeah. So the myelinkephalon, what, what does that become? That becomes the uh, medulla oblongata. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Or the medulla oblongata. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, and that's like... Um, the hindbrain is like the old, old part of the brain um, and is, is involved in sort of a lot of the time things that we don't have to think about. OK, so um, all non-cognitive um, functions and really vital stuff. Like yes. So your heart beating and your breathing. Breathing. That's like exactly that. what the medulla oblongata is and, involved and in. To a certain extent, regulating that, I think, as well, yeah. isn't it? And that, yeah, like you say, that's a really old part of the brain. That's yeah. something that complex organisms have needed for a long time to mm-hmm. just just to function. Yep. Um, and the metencephalon? And the metencephalon is split into two parts, which is the pons and the cerebellum. Now, I know the cerebellum because cerebellum is, uh, that's the bit, for example, that stores um, like your, your signature, your... your um, muscle memory. Muscle memory, that's yeah. the term. Yeah, so it's it's 
as because I used to be a climber, so I always used to relate the cerebellum to climbing. Yeah. Posture, balance. Yes. Balance. And, coordination. Um, yeah, coordination yeah. and kind of storing those muscle movements that you build up as a climber or a dancer or a golfer or a cricketer or whatever. Yeah. Those movements that you ingrain, they get stored in the cerebellum, don't they? Yeah. Well, the cerebellum is involved in that. Yeah. What about the ponds? Um, not so much about the ponds. <laughs> um, ponds again has um motor and sensory um involvement. Um, it's also involved in sleep regulation, and right. then obviously an old part, you know, an old function, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, think again of it a little bit like the midbrain. It's um pons actually means bridge in Latin, so ah. it's that kind of it's a bridge between the hindbrain and the midbrain. And, and pont in Welsh bridge. And probably French as well. Okay. Pont. Pont. Ponty, Ponty. something. Yeah. There are bridges Ponty everywhere around here. Yeah. All right. the rivers in the valleys. Excellent. Okay, so the metencathlon becomes the cerebellum and the ponds. Yeah. That's not so bad. No, not really. Um, it's just it's just remembering all the terms, really, isn't it? Yeah. If you spoke to a neuroscientist, you would get vastly <laughs> improved descriptions, probably. Yeah. Please of these see, functions. Please us see us anatomists loose. are a little bit weak well i am um, i am i admit it yeah I, i'm not too strong on on the on neuroscience and yeah. functions what have you but like i say it is an emerging science so trying to keep up on up with it's fairly okay fairly so hardcore. we've gone from the spinal cord up through the hindbrain through the midbrain and through the to the forebrain um and this is all from sort of proliferation and all that kind of stuff of the neuroblast and la la la, la. yeah we have um organization um, and differentiation as we've seen in all of the embryological processes that we've seen there's a lot of organization here so these cells know where they are what they're going to become and they differentiate to fulfill those functions yeah and neurons are a little bit different in that they all reach out to each other to form the interconnections and that sort of thing but yeah yeah i, I really don't know and understand i don't know how much we understand about how they can do that or how organized the brain is to do what we yeah. Stand sitting here talking into a microphone. Blah blah blah. Thinking blah. about stuff I've remembered. So um I've got a question. We started with the neural tube, tube, lumen all the way through the middle. Yeah. What happens to that? Uh, well as these cells are differentiating and proliferating, that, yeah. that, that central lumen remains, but it becomes less and less and less. And we said we were going to talk about the ventricles, didn't we? Oh yeah, we did. So um up in the telencephalon, as those cells are becoming the hundred the the ten Billion. billion or hundred billion neurons and trillion glial cells and that sort of thing. Obviously, that wall is getting thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker, and it leaves a couple of spaces, which are the lateral ventricles up yeah. in the cerebral hemispheres, and they have the choroid plexuses, which we're not going to really talk about here, are we? Are we? No. Well, you could mention them because you give you did give quite a good description. Um, but what we were going to say was that the the all the ventricles obviously have cerebrospinal fluid in them. Well, they well, will has, do once the core which has to come from somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, it's that the space we start off in the neural tube remains as as where the CSF is going to be, the cerebrospinal fluid mm. and the circulatory bits and the ventricles. Mm. Uh, so we'll talk about those. Yeah, the, the choroid plexuses, which are in the lateral ventricles and a bit of the third ventricle, and I think, fourth. and maybe a bit of the fourth, yeah. are yeah blood vessels which have come in from the mesenchyme. Mm, yeah. Um, and they're covered with a layer of ependymal cells which are all stuck together by tight junctions. You get the blood-brain barrier there so that uh -huh. the brain can never see the blood as such. Yeah. And the coral plexuses then make cerebrospinal fluid. 
So if we follow if we follow the root of the CSF from the lateral ventricles, yeah. So the space remains in the telencephalon as the cerebral hemispheres, and there's a space that remains in the diencephalon, which is a very thin Narrow. fissure, yeah. And that's the third ventricle. Yeah. And the lateral ventricles and the third ventricles are connected by interventricular foramen on either side, which are the foramen of Monroe. Monroe. Think uh, Marilyn. Okay, I was thinking Monroe's. Because these are high up, mountains over 2,000 feet, or hills over 2,000 feet in the UK are called Monroes. Okay, you think that. Okay. Or Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so the CSF passes the third ventricles, and the fourth ventricle then is the space in the hindbrain, in the myelencephalon, probably. Yeah. And there's a, there's, there remains the tube between the third and the fourth ventricles, which is the cerebral aqueduct. Okay. Or the sylvian fissure. I yeah, think. you know that better than me. And then the fourth ventricle remains continuous, and that tube remains as the central canal in the spinal, spinal cord. cord. It passes all the way down the length of the spinal cord. Of course, from the fourth ventricle, we have the two foramina of Lushka and the foramen of Magendi, which are sending CSF out into the space around the brain. Brilliant. But the point is, as you were quite rightly making, that the, the lumen in that neurotube remains as the the ventricles and the spaces in which the CSF flows within the brain. Oh yeah, that was the point I was making. Yeah, and we won't talk about the functions of CSF and what have you because that's um, neuro anatomy. So we yeah. might do that in another podcast. Yeah. Excellent. Good. So we've done neurulation. Yeah. Brain. Yeah. Uh, cerebrospinal fluid. Yes. We should do the spinal cord. Could we work back down there? Now? Oh yeah. Okay. So how does the spinal that? cord form? Um. Well, apart from being part of the we've uh, already done it neural tube, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the neural it. tube, Real, and eh? again, those cells, yeah, differentiate and proliferate form the spinal cord. Um, I guess it's it's interesting to point out that as a segmented animal, mm-hmm. the spinal nerves that are leaving the spinal cord match up perfectly with the vertebrae at those levels oh, throughout yeah. the whole length of the spinal cord. Only for the first three months of development. So for the first three months of development, the spinal nerves come straight out in a horizontal fashion. Yeah, it's very neat. But after the third month, the vertebrae and the dura mater, they lengthen a lot faster than the spinal cord does. So as we see in the adult, um, lower down in the spinal cord, the spinal cord, the, the point at which the spinal nerves leave the spinal cord is more superior so where to they the, leave the where they leave the path through the, the vertebrae. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that's because of that change in rate of, of lengthening. So in the adult, we have the cord recliner, don't we? Have we have yeah, uh, that spinal cl- nerves? That group. That's right, dropping out the bottom of the spinal cord and passing out through the, the right. Yeah, and vertebrae. then there's no spinal cord there, which is why you try and give a lumbar puncture in that area to yeah. avoid jabbing the, the spinal, spinal cord. cord. Okay, so what about what about those spinal nerves then? There are a couple of points we can make about how those form, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Neural crest, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this Not chapter quite. is called Neural Crests in it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, from about week four, we get uh, motor nerve fibres forming in the spinal cord and sensory nerve cells forming outside the spinal cord. Yes. So if we take the motor, because of course with every spinal nerve, we have motor cells sending axons out and sensory nerve sending axons into the spinal cord. Um, so if you think about a spinal nerve, yeah, the ventral nerve roots 
are motor nerve fibers yeah that have developed and come together to send out a, a root ventrally yeah um so those have come from within the spinal cord eight ventral motor ventral motor got it but the sensory part of a spinal nerve forms from the dorsal root ganglia the dorsal root ganglia you know a ganglia is a collection yeah. of, of cell bodies yeah so we have a congregation of cells which have come from the um neural crest cells right so these congregate outside the spinal cord and send processes into the spinal cord I see. so the dorsal root ganglia cells are outside and send send fibers in so the dorsal nerve roots are sensory they're sending information into the spinal cord and then up to the brain aha so the ventral nerve roots and the dorsal root nerve roots come together as we see in the adult to form the rami and off we go off we go then you have mixed spinal, spinal nerves passing dorsal and ventral you go pew 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 all over the body all the things we've been talking about through this series that's probably about as much as we need to say about the, the spinal cord. Yeah, I mean, do you, um, just for uh, interest, I want to mention a couple of other neural crest derivatives, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've mentioned the neural crest a few times, mm. haven't we? Now mm. we're talking about neural crest cells properly, about where they come from and mm. how they're involved in dorsal root ganglia. What else do neural crest cells form then? So, as well as dorsal root ganglia, um, they're also involved in the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, or the ganglia that they develop from. Um, another thing, adrenal medulla. Very important. Yeah, we mentioned that, didn't we? Um, also, the uh, meninges of the brain, so the arachnoid and pyomatus. Um, glial cells and Schwann cells come from neural crest. Right. As does the dermis of the fa face and the neck and the connective tissues and the bones in the skull and the face. Also melanocytes, also odontoblasts, and C cells of the thyroid gland. Dun, dun, dun. Cool. And I think we've mentioned most if not all of those in the different podcasts that we've done so i hope we have we've brought all that together now so there you go little list for you to remember okay that wasn't too bad was it really no it wasn't too bad um i don't know what else we can talk about um oh, well, well i don't think we want to talk about too much do we um, what, i think no. we've covered everything we need to cover okay neuroembryology at a medical student level yes um you're right one thing tiny weeny little thing yeah um sometimes Obviously, the neural tube can go wrong and we get neural tube defects. Ah, yes. Um, and collectively, these are kind of called spina bifida, which everyone has heard of. And it's actually yeah. relatively common. Apparently, one in a thousand births. Um, there are two types of spina bifida, occulta and cystica. Okay, occulta is um, not as severe as the other one, as cystica. Um, and it's a defect of the vertebral arch. But it's not normally, normally actually involved in the neural tissue. That's why it's less severe. Um, whereas cystica is very severe and the neural tissue and even the meninges can all um, protrude through. It's a properly open. Yeah. It's not a closed neural pore. Yeah. Why do you get a hair growth I on don't the skin? Know. Do you? It's a signaling thing, isn't it? What from? It seems that uh, the neural tube itself signals to the structures around it, so mm. it signals to the development of the vertebral arches and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it seems that in spina bifida occulta, where the neural tube doesn't form, the signaling gets mucked up, so you don't get vertebral arches forming. But yeah. why you get that hairy patch of skin, I'm not sure, but it seems to be because the neural tube isn't signaling or because it is signaling something it shouldn't. But searching on PubMed, I can't find a definitive answer. Nobody really knows. No, but... Uh, Mystery. Maybe. Maybe an FGF or something like that. Yeah, probably. Anyway. Interesting. Though. What's pretty cool about this 
is that they can actually... You're um, saying spider bifida is cool, though? No, well, this is cool, right? Sorry. That they can diagnose it prenatally by ultrasound at about 12 weeks. That's really young. And, yeah. and and this is even cooler, they can actually perform surgery to fix it at about 28 weeks, in utero surgery. Very wow, cool. That is cool. Yeah. And 28 weeks? Mm. <sighs> I know. Good fingers. Things that can cause uh, neural tube defects include hypothermia and too much vitamin A. And yes, vitamin A, that's our old friend. Yeah. acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with the limbs and all that sort of yeah, stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and things Sign- that can... Signaling stuff. Yeah. Signaling yeah. yeah, yeah. Things that can reduce neural crest defects, folic acid. Which we all know about. Yes. And so they're in cornflakes, I think my box told me this morning. <laughs> yeah. Not sure yeah. I need folic acid, but it's there. Well, it's fascinating because 400 micrograms of folic acid can um, reduce the, the chances of spina bifida by up to 70%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that fact. Good to avoid. Yes. Anyway, so there's just a little bit of, you know, Thank what you. happens when it goes oh, wrong. That's very interesting. Or parts. There's all sorts of other things we won't go into. We've got loads of neuroscientists within the School of Medicine, haven't we? I wonder yeah. if we could get one of them on here to talk about something interesting. I don't know if they talk about anything interesting, though, because they're neuroscientists. Well, we'd have to sort of set up a <laughs> pinching mechanism to keep ourselves awake. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. It is absolutely fascinating. So, yeah, I'd like to get someone in. Okay. Let's see what we can do. Brilliant. Good. Job done. Thank you very, well, very much for listening. Yeah, well, thanks for helping me out, Marie, and forcing me to do these. This is number 16 of the one we've done together, which is a lot more than I did on my own, I think. There we go, good Lord. And it's a lot more interesting for me to do. I'm sure a lot more interesting for our audience, too. Good. But this is the last one, I think, in the lecture series that yeah. we hold. Because we hold a series of embryology lectures to the medicine students. Yeah. And now with the podcast, we've covered all of those, haven't we? Yeah. But I know you're in, you're keen to do some embryology of other areas of interest, which we haven't really talked about much before. I just find it interesting. Yeah, me too. And expand on it. Maybe we can get into signalling in the future as well, so maybe apply Ooh, to a wider cool. audience. Steady on. <laughs> well, we're cell biologists. That's our thing. No, I, I know. It's so good. We'd, ha- we'd have to take it very small steps. Okay, lots of small steps and we'll get there. Still yeah. get there. Superb. I think that's come to the end, have we? Yep. I was yeah, and I know we've had some interest in anatomy podcasts. We've started doing a few video podcasts oh, yeah. to see how they go, and uh, a few have said how much they like the audio formats. Maybe we can do some anatomy podcasts. I thought I thought the world was well catered for with regards to anatomy audio podcasts, but apparently not. No, we can certainly do some more of those. Um, yeah. And if you've got any other suggestions, just give me an email on r dot s dot That's d e w r w d e at swansea.ac.uk. Yeah. And we can cater a little bit, can't we? Yeah. We could probably talk for hours about anatomy subjects. Mm. And hours. And mm. hours. Mm. And hours. You're feeling sleepy. Thanks, Rhi. So we'll do one next week, probably with zero embryology content. No, don't say that. They won't listen to it. <laughs> with zero embryology content. Uh, maybe with some ideas for the future and talk about where you're moving on to and... Uh, what we'll try and organise. Okay. Thanks, Ree. Thanks, Sam. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.